Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host. Thank you, and welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports, on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason, and we've got a lot to cover today. Uh, The NHL season just came to a dramatic conclusion. We've got Major League Baseball in full swing. Uh, We've got our weekly segment, States and Sports. We're going to be heading to California this week. Um, But we are going to start with the NBA, a bit of a year in review on the recently finished NBA season. Um, First of all, congratulations to the NBA champion Dallas Mavericks. Um, If you weren't aware, they beat the Miami Heat in six games, 4-2. Now that series, frankly, that was a bizarre series. Um, There are times when the Heat kind of looked like the dominant team in that series, and there were just inevitable bizarre collapses from the Heat in the fourth quarter, and even in the last couple of games where it's collapsed for entire games. Now, obviously, the focal point of the entire sports talk world right now is LeBron James, the Heat forward, um, who pretty much vanished in that series. He had a drop-off of over 10 points per game um, for both his playoff average and his regular season average into the finals, which I believe is the biggest of all time, if not the... It's certainly one of the top ones up there. He averaged about 18 points per game in the uh, finals, which just isn't acceptable when you're supposed to be the best player in the world. Um, and really, we saw him kind of deferring to everyone, is what, they, what the, uh, anal- the analysts were calling it, was that he was deferring, giving the ball up to pretty much everybody else on the Heat, um, not just giving it up to Dwayne Wade, which we've seen in the past, um, where LeBron has kind of given it up to Wade when it seems like it's Wade's night. That was supposed to be the advantage of having a big three, is if Bosch was really hot, then they could go to Bosch. If Wade was really hot, they could go to Wade. Same thing for LeBron. Um, but LeBron was never hot. Bosch had a solid series going throughout the play- through the finals. Uh, never really put in any spectacular games, although he did have the game where he got poked in the eye um, and came through and made the game-winning shot. Uh, probably the only real clutch performance uh, from the Heat during that entire series. Wade put together a solid series, although I do feel like he's getting a little bit overpraised for his play in the series. Uh, he brought out some of his, he brought out kind of his good game for several games of the series, probably for uh, four out of the six. But he never really brought out the great dominant play that we saw even during the Heat's last title run when it was really definitively Wade's team. Uh, Whereas LeBron, definitely kind of the flop of the series. He had the one triple-double in Game 5, but that was a very underwhelming triple-double, dropping 15 points in there, two in the fourth quarter. And that kind of became LeBron's M.O. during the series, was two in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had a stretch of several consecutive games where that's all he put up. Um, and there was, there was a long list of players who outscored LeBron in the fourth quarter, starting, of course, with Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade, who both put up big fourth quarters several times in this series, but also including just massive role players, guys like Udonis Haslam, who would just would never expect to outscore LeBron James in the fourth quarter of anything. Uh, So LeBron, definitely a bizarre situation there. Uh, Certainly there's been a lot of discussion as to what happened from LeBron because it's simply, it's pretty much inconceivable. This is the best player in the world, a guy with unnatural talent, 
a guy who can pretty much just drive to the hoop at absolute will, uh, the fastest player on the court, the strongest player on the court, the most skilled player on the court, um, the most dominant player on both sides of the ball right now in the NBA, and he just didn't show up. He wanted to just stand outside, not really move much, and pass the ball. Um, and frankly, the only thing that makes any sense to me is some form of exhaustion, either mental exhaustion or physical exhaustion. Uh, now, him being physically exhausted doesn't really make sense for the most part. He was playing heavy minutes for most of the series, obviously, as LeBron James. He's going to play heavy minutes. And I don't really agree with some of Spolster's decisions on when to rest him. Um, I feel you really got to rest a guy like LeBron right at the end of the third quarter so he can come out fresh for the fourth, play through the fourth. Um, but really... He wasn't working nearly as hard for the entire season with Miami as he used to back in Cleveland. Um, I know we make a lot of jokes about Adrian Gonzalez being the San Diego Padres offense. LeBron James was the Cleveland Cavaliers. That shouldn't be forgotten now that he's gone. Is that this team had the number one overall pick in the draft before they got LeBron. They've got the number one overall pick in the draft again the first year LeBron's left. Um, so LeBron worked incredibly hard during his multiple playoff runs with Cleveland and never really had stretches like this. Uh, a lot of people talk about him not coming up big in games. I mean, there's the game during the Boston series last year where he seemed to kind of phone it in and tried to let his supporting cast win it for him. And, of course, the supporting cast completely let him down. Um, and there was a game versus Orlando where he looked frankly, looked completely physically exhausted. Of course, the Orlando series um, was the series where Hito Turkoglu went totally nuts during Orlando's run to the finals, um, and LeBron was just completely exhausted after all of those. But still, throughout all of that, all of that wear and tear that he would experience year to year and during the playoffs with Cleveland, he never really got to the point where it started to affect his play. And I don't understand. I guess he's another year older, but he's still an incredibly young guy. He's not even pushing 30 yet. I don't understand how it could possibly be that he got physically tired and, and refused to attack the basket. Um, so for me, I think it kind of has to be that he was somehow mentally exhausted um, from the incredible stress that he's faced this year. Not just really, not so much the expectations of the big three and how they were pretty much championship or bust, because LeBron's faced tons of expectations before. The guy came into the league supposed to be the next Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, this was a kid who throughout high school even was supposed to be the greatest player out there and was always able to rise to it no problem. Um, but there were other things that LeBron wasn't used to. Uh, LeBron spent all of his time, all of his career pretty much, just being beloved because, you know, he's a generally friendly guy. He doesn't say stupid things or do stupid things. And he plays an incredibly exciting and incredibly, you know, energetic uh, brand of basketball in addition to being a spectacular player. So for LeBron to suddenly become this massive villain in the NBA, that had to put some mental stress on him. Um, I think that just combined with he really didn't get an off season, uh, not in the ways that he wasn't like rehabbing an injury or physically putting in the work like some guys would, um, but mentally LeBron really didn't get time off this off season. As soon as the season ended, it became would LeBron stay? Where is he going? Um, you know, tons of harassment from that. He had to go talk to all of these teams, and then of course the decision. Uh, we don't really need to touch more on the decision. I think Sports Talk Radio has had enough of that. Um, so certainly a mentally exhausting offseason followed by the season for the Heat. Because once again, those expectations weren't so much the problem. It was kind of everything that surrounded them. You know, the cry gate when Eric Spolster said that players were crying after a, uh, after a particularly tough loss and a losing streak. Uh, and things like that. that I think just kind of gave the mental wear and tear on LeBron to the point where he just he couldn't really act in the finals. He just kind of froze up 
during that final series. Because um, I don't really think it's an issue of clutchness for LeBron in these fourth quarters, in part because LeBron was kind of showing these problems they had in the fourth throughout the other quarters as well. And also, if you just look back to that Boston series and the uh, Chicago series, LeBron, LeBron, the fourth quarter of those games, was the most impressive basketball I've ever seen played. Um, there was the 10-0 run, 10 for LeBron, 0 for anybody else on the court at the end of one of those Boston games. Um, where he was just, every time he got the ball, he could either just put up the three and bury it or drive to the hoop. Um, and then on defense, any ball that went loose, any attempted pass, LeBron was immediately in the passing lane to pick it off and go the other way. Uh, so I don't think it's really a clutchness issue. Obviously, he even hit a couple of big shots um, when attempting to kind of carry the team back into the game, at least in that last fourth quarter in game six. He hit a couple of clutch, he hit a clutch three um, and some other clutch uh, shots, but just couldn't do it for the entire game. Um, and never really even had truly spectacular spurts. Uh, so for me, that's really the only explanation that I can think of, is that he was just mentally done after this incredibly stressful time with the Heat. Um, that being said, I think it makes perfect sense. You know, The odds for everybody to win the championship came out, as they always do, immediately following the championship. The Heat came out as 5-2 to two favorites, uh, with Chicago and L.A. being next at 5-1. to one. And for me, it makes perfect sense that Miami has double the chance of anybody else to win the championship. Uh, this team is still stacked. As Jeff Van Gundy said during one of the, Chicago, uh, during one of the Dallas games, I think, during the finals, uh, he mentioned that Miami has Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, and the other teams don't. LeBron James is undoubtedly the best player in the NBA. You can't deny that just because of this finals performance. Uh, you can certainly deny it. He can't really be in the argument with MJ at this very moment just because he hasn't delivered. Um, but you certainly can't deny he is the best player in the league. Dwayne Wade is certainly up there as among the most elite players in the NBA. Uh, you can make an argument that he's the second best. You can argue Derrick Rose or Dirk there or whoever you'd like. But Dwayne Wade is certainly one of the top players in the league. And Chris Bosh, a very elite player as well. Uh, not to mention that supporting cast got a little bit exposed during the finals. You know, Mike Miller was like missing an arm for most of the season this year. Mike Miller was in a ton of pain for, all, for the finals especially. You could see it. Um, he didn't come up big in the finals, but I expect a bounce back year from him. Udonis Haslam, you know, Joe Anthony, these defensive stoppers and three-point shooters that they surrounded LeBron and Wade with. It's a solid enough supporting cast with, these, with the big three that they should be the favorites. Um, getting off of Miami, we're going to start looking at some of the other favorites, what they have looking forward. Uh, we'll move on to L.A., uh, the Los Angeles Lakers coming in at 5-1 as well. Um, well, five to one. In addition to Chicago, Los Angeles, you know, they came up with that disappointing season. Uh, it's always a disappointment in LA, where it's pretty much championship or bust. Dallas sweeping them, the uncharacteristic fashion in which the Lakers lost. Not just getting outplayed by the Mavericks, but getting outclassed. If you remember that game four, Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum, both with very bad fouls that got ejected. Uh, Bynum's foul was worse, of course, uh, just totally mugging JJ Barea when he drove to the hoop. And, you know, that's really, I think that's going to incite some change in L.A. Obviously, they're going to have to face a little bit of change anyways, Phil Jackson retiring. Uh, there's talk that maybe after a year or two, he'll come back with a new team. I think most people figure certainly for next year and probably for the future, he's done with L.A. at least, if not done for good. Uh, so they're going to have to incite a little change, so I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of pile on to that. Now that's apparent that they really don't have the favorites for the championship anymore, with Miami being there, with Chicago being on the rise, Boston's not done, we don't know what else is going on in the NBA. Um, so L.A., I'd expect them to make a move. There's a lot of talk of Dwight Howard going to Los Angeles. And for me, I think that would be huge for the NBA. 
Um, because the NBA, for it's two things. It's a star-driven league, and it's a market-driven league. And Dwight Howard's one of the biggest stars in the league. Los Angeles is one of the biggest markets in the league. So Dwight Howard going to L.A., making Los Angeles a powerhouse again, would be spectacular for, for the Lakers, of course. I think it would be very good for the league as well. And that would certainly give them a dominant duo on the post um, that we really haven't seen in a long time. Maybe going back to a Spurs team when they had the Admiral and Duncan down there for Duncan's rookie year. Because um, you're going to have Gasol, the real finesse player, uh, and, of course, these days we know with Gasol and Dirk, we do not mean finesse player in an offensive way. They're tough guys. They're just skilled players. Um, and then Dwight Howard, the more defensive player, the rebounder defensive player of the year, to go along with Kobe. And of course, there really wouldn't be these talks that they have in Miami over if, it, if it's Dwight Howard's team, because Kobe's clearly aging these days. And while it'd certainly be Kobe's team when Howard got there, Howard would probably inherit it at some point. Uh, going down, we're going to cover our third, uh, our third favorite here. That's Chicago. Chicago, a really young team, got beat pretty badly by Miami. And for me, I don't think they really need to acquire a piece. They need to develop a piece. Um, Boozer, either Boozer needs to start playing like the maximum contract that they gave him and be the true second option, or they're going to need Luol Deng to develop into that second option, or maybe both. Um, one of those guys playing dominant basketball, plus, of course, Rose, the MVP, and uh, Joakim Noah is a big-time post player. That could make that team a real contender. Uh, and then you got Dallas, obviously. They're the champs. They're aging, though. We really don't know exactly what to expect from Dallas, despite the fact that I really wouldn't expect many changes from their roster. Uh, so now let's take a break. I'm Jason. Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. 
You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason and right now we're going to continue our discussion on the NBA. Uh, certainly want to make sure we do as thorough of a season recap slash off-season preview as we can. Uh, we just touched on kind of the future, looking ahead for uh, Miami, Chicago, LA, and Dallas. Uh, I'd like to kind of go back to why I said about Los Angeles, uh, if they acquired Dwight Howard. And that's that um, the NBA is a star-driven league and a market-driven league. So while that certainly applies to L.A. as far as major markets, uh, there's no bigger market than New York City. And you've got to look at the Knicks, who already have kind of their big dynamic duo going on with Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire. You've got to look at the possibility of them adding another piece and becoming a bit of a big three. Uh, They do have the cap space available for that. Um, They do have room for another max contract, the big three... uh, possibility is eminent. Obviously, the Knicks have some issues even beyond star power. The Knicks supporting cast became really weak in that mellow trade. Uh, They pretty much traded their second through fourth best players, giving up uh, Wilson Chandler, uh, Raymond Felton, and Danilo Gallinari to pick up mellow. Um, But they picked up a superstar, and that can't be understated. Uh, because, frankly, like I mentioned, this is a star-driven league, and when it comes down to it in the playoffs, where everybody's really playing their hardest defense, everybody's really trying to lock down on D, it takes a superstar to break that defense. Uh, so what what would be good for the Knicks is what we kind of have to look at here. Uh, first of all, we're probably not going to see much movement this offseason in the NBA. Obviously, we've got some impending legal problems, which we will touch on later in this segment. Um, but additionally, we really just don't have guys who really have the uh, their contracts expiring this year. Uh, however, next year, there's the possibility um, after next season, in addition to, what, to Dwight Howard, who we mentioned with the Lakers, uh, Chris Paul's contract's going to be up after next year. And Chris Paul, I think, would probably be a perfect fit for the Knicks, uh, would make them a bit of an instant contender. Like I mentioned, they're supporting cast, obviously. Um, maybe they can get enough production out of those guys. There are some guys on that team, uh, Sean Williams, Bill Walker at times, uh, Tony Douglas sometimes, who really look like they could be big-time players in this league, you know, big-time role players at least. Um, but other times they really look helpless, especially in the postseason. Uh, we saw guys who are supposed to kind of be the answer for who's going to get it done besides Chauncey, Melo, and Amari just totally come up flat. Uh, Landry Fields had a miserable off season, or a miserable postseason, and kind of struggled since Melo got there. So that's a little bit concerning. Uh, and then Tony Douglas, the stage looked a little too big for him sometimes. He looked to be pressing. Uh, but these are guys who, you know, they're young guys. They could grow and develop, and it'll be interesting to see how they develop or whether they're just replaced flat out. Um, but, yeah, I think Chris Paul going to the Knicks. Don't expect it this year, um, but maybe next offseason. That will be a huge move. Once again, a move that's really good for the league as a whole. Because even if you hate these teams like the Lakers or the Knicks or just hate these big threes in general, all of these superstars, it's very good for the league to have big markets like New York and L.A., have these star-driven teams. Um, Obviously, it's good for him to have competitive teams, which is why it's nice that the Knicks got off the ground, at least. But it's even better when those teams are competitive because of superstars. Um, Because, you know, superstars sell jerseys. You're only going to see Spike Lee out there wearing a Landry Fields jersey. Um, 
So moving on, we've got a lot more teams to go over, certainly in the NBA. We can't touch on all of them, uh, but there certainly were more interesting stories going on during this postseason. Obviously, Orlando kind of collapsed, and that hasn't really been talked about. It really became the Dwight Howard show. But I think at this point, it's kind of just assumed that Howard's getting out of there. So I think that's kind of why that's become a non-story. Uh, but Oklahoma City was certainly a big story during uh, their playoff run when suddenly against the Mavericks it became apparent that that team does not pass. Um, they've kind of got an issue going on, which, you know, Kevin Durant's a scorer. It's his role. He's a small forward swing man type. Uh, it's not really his job. He's supposed to get the ball and score with it. Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, I know this guy's received a lot of, uh, you know, this guy's kind of gotten a hard time already, and I certainly don't want to pile it on because he is a great player in this league. Uh, Westbrook needs to develop his passing, or they need to find someone else who will. Uh, because the... The Thunder don't need to be the Bulls. One of the disadvantages the Bulls having is, yes, Derrick Rose is an exceptional player, but having your primary ball handler also be your best scorer is kind of a bad situation to be in um, just because it really impacts other guys' ability to get going. If your primary ball handler is scoring, you know, being a dominant scorer, then that means one guy is touching the ball going up and down the court. Um, and for the Thunder, that really can't happen because Russell Westbrook, not only is that bad in general, Westbrook isn't their best scorer. They have Durant to worry about as well. Uh, I don't think Westbrook needs to leave, though. I think, you know, he's a great talent and a great player. He's an all-star player. They need to keep him around and continue to build around him and Durant. Um, and James Harden, who really emerged in the playoffs, is a big-time defensive stopper and an offensive weapon. Uh, so what they need to do is they need to work on Westbrook's passing uh, and, in general, try and build him not necessarily into Steve Nash, not into a total pass first, you know, not into Darren Williams or Chris Paul, but just into a viable passing point guard, you know, a guy who can really command the team out there. Uh, so obviously we're covering kind of the NBA offseason already, which is kind of funny considering the time of year. Because, you know, normally this time of year, the NBA season's over, the NHL season's over, MLB's kind of getting going, you know, we're getting into the heart of the season, all-star break's coming up, everybody's kind of getting into the rhythm of baseball, you know, whether that means for you going home and watching the game every day, uh, or, you know, just loosely following it, however you feel about baseball. Um... But what's kind of incredibly missing, it's almost kind of it's kind of a throwback to the days before like ESPN when we really hounded the offseason a lot, is the NFL offseason. Um, instead, what we have, what used to be big-time free agency periods and all sorts of interesting stuff, has been instead replaced by lockout watch. Now, thankfully, we have seen some progress in the lockout recently, um, but they are still in a legal struggle going on here. Um, so to talk about that legal struggle, uh, we did bring in here a, a local lo labor and employment lawyer. We have here Jerry C. Uh, now, Mr. C, uh, is there really any hope right now for the NFL regarding this lockout situation? Well, Jason, it's nice to see you here on the radio. And certainly uh, what we're hearing is encouraging. Um, the experience of recent years has been that these players, the unions and management will not get these these issues settled until the very last minute. It all waits till the 11th hour, and sadly, it's gone beyond that, and we've lost seasons and parts of seasons in sports a number of times. I think the NFL uh, players and owners recognize that they have the goose that lays the golden egg with the NFL, and they are not willing to jeopardize it at this time. I think they are closer to a settlement than they've ever been, and I think that they will now push and try to get it done. Sadly, no one seems to have the foresight to uh, get things done in advance and extend the existing contracts. Instead, they let them expire, and it turns into a giant fight. 
Uh, so now you talked about getting things done. What exactly are they trying to get done here in the NFL? Um, we hear it's about like distribution of the money, but what are these specific issues that are going on? Well, as always, it's all about money. And the NFL generates, I believe, $9 billion a year off of their uh, television contracts. And the question is, how do they split it up? Uh, owners get their money from parking concessions and selling food that is not part of this deal. But the split up of the TV money is what it's all about. And TV is really what's changed sports over the years. It's, it's turned it into an industry as opposed to merely uh, a game. And it's all about the television money. So we're talking now, they're starting to talk about the actual percentages of what they wanted to split up. The owners had really tried to make a bit of a grab on this, take more money up front before the split. And that seems to be backing off, and they seem to be picking a, a starting to talk about realistic numbers as to what the total player compensation is going to be. Personally, I feel the players make the game. Of course, the owners have the risk and should make their money, but the players make the game. That's really who you want to see, and they should get their share of the revenues. Uh, definitely. I think uh, there's certainly a lot of people who would agree with you on that, and I think that's probably the players' strongest bargaining point at this point is they have the fans behind them. Uh, now, you mentioned it's all about the television money. Now, obviously, the NFL TV is really different than the NFL for most sports. Um, typically, if you want to watch you know, one of your local sports teams, you go on maybe your local Fox Sports affiliate. Um, whereas for the NFL, it's always on you know, national television. You get your games on your local stations. Uh, so we hear about, specifically I'm talking about the NBA, where we hear about their similar labor issues. Um, but you know, how, are these how are these labor issues really similar when the TV situations are so different? And that is a very good point. It's a very different situation. The NFL has revenue sharing like no other team. And even though we think of the NFL like generals and armies and uh, a very uh, kind of regimented and guys fighting for what they got, it is very much a put the pile together and share it, almost a socialist kind of system. And it works very well for their sport. Everyone's grown and prospered over the years. Um, where you see in baseball, a few of the teams have established their own cable systems and generated tremendous uh, revenue streams like the Yankees first and foremost. Um, you don't see that so much in basketball. And they are somewhat at the mercy of their local uh, Fox, affiliate, Fox Sports affiliates and, and cable uh, affiliates. Um, they don't have that kind of power. They don't have that kind of split. And is much more of an every man for themselves and every team for themselves. But base, basketball has had the salary cap in place longer than any other team, any other sport. And they have done a better job of managing the cap and working in the exceptions to make it work. And hopefully they will get this worked out. I believe David Stern is a smart guy. And they will find a way to uh, get this worked out before it all goes down the, uh, you know, down the tubes. Um, they, they did not do anybody any they did not do themselves any favors with the last uh, um, strike that they had the last labor outage that they had I still remember Patrick Ewing who's a class guy and a smart guy but talking about how well gee we make a lot of money but we have big expenses he didn't endear himself to the fans at all with that uh, right exactly and certainly the fan base is kind of who really matters in all of this um, and what's funny about that is it's the largest basis they have no say in any of this it's the players and the owners um, so what about the other factor in this we've covered you got the players you've got the owners you've got the fans uh, what about the sports agent business how do they play into this uh, the agent business has become truly cutthroat, and I just chatted the other day with a former agent for uh, David Wells and Tom Glavin, 
and he left the business. Uh, he's gone back to uh, being on the management side, representing teams again, went back to his old law firm and is uh, forming their sports group. He's heading it up in the hope they can get some teams. It's become a really cutthroat business. It's a very young man's game. Um, and if you're an older agent who commands that kind of respect, you have to have young guys that deal with the players. It's very much what's in it for me. It's become more like entertainment agents. Um, you know, they lie to their guys constantly about how great they are. Well, thank you so much for that interview, Mr. C. Now we're going to take a break. I'm Jason. Glad I could be here. Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal, and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. Tune in to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. You just love your pets. But sometimes, they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune in to Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason, and right now we're going to be touching on the MLB and the National Hockey League. Uh, Major League Baseball season is in full swing right now. We're past the real early days, and that's a great thing if you're a baseball fan. Because uh, early on, really, uh, every baseball fan's kind of filled with doubts. Um, like they mentioned, every sport, every team's got a chance at the start of the year. Um, but let's say if you're a Cleveland Indians fan, uh, you really don't know how good that chance is when your team comes out with a red-hot start. Um, as we've seen from the Indians in recent weeks, really struggling these days. You're kind of getting a feel right now for how the season is actually going to play out. 
And we certainly have a lot of interesting uh, battles going on in every division, um, which is interesting in its own because of the talk of realignment that we've heard. Um, maybe these good division battles, uh, I mean, obviously they'll factor into the discussion over realignment. Obviously, we really don't know exactly how serious those discussions are, but you got to imagine if they had a massive, you know, if these divisions stay as close as they are right now, I just really can't see them breaking them all up and putting just two massive leagues where you're not going to see this much of a struggle, um, where it's really just going to be a battle for that last playoff spot. Um, so right now we've got a lot going on in Major League Baseball, but I think what I'd like to start off with is kind of a continuation from a subject we've touched on previously, and that's kind of looking at baseball right now in a post-steroid era, um, because we're really seeing kind of that in full effect these days. We mentioned, you know, last year was always dubbed the year of the pitcher, and it's really kind of continued into this year. We touched on that, uh, we touched on that earlier, the... We touched on that last week, I believe, um, talking about some of the pitching dominance we've seen so far in Major League Baseball. Um, and we mentioned the guy, um, Jose Batista, who's really been the only truly fearsome home run hitter um, last year and at the start of this year. Um, but if you look at the home run leaders these days, you'll see Batista's still up there. He's still leading. The, he's still uh, up there battling for the league lead. Um, but you look at some of these other guys around him, including Batista, and what you'll notice is these really aren't these typical sluggers that you see up there. I'm sure there are some of them. Mark Teixeira's up there. He's a big-time first baseman. Uh, yeah, he brings more to the table than maybe a classic steroid-era power hitter, and that he's a spectacular defender. But, you know, he's no speedster. Uh, Prince Fielder up there, classic power hitter. David Ortiz still doing work. Uh, Carlos Quinton, the outfielder, you know, a rather slow outfielder, but still an outfielder. Uh, not not the corner outfielders that we saw during the steroid era, who were kind of just, you know, first baseman who got moved out into the outfield for room for more first baseman. Um, but if you get some of these other league leaders in home runs, these guys battling up there, you'll see Batista, you'll see Curtis Granderson and Matt Kemp especially, um, guys like Nelson Cruz. Um, and what you'll notice is these guys are really more dual threat type of guys. We've really seen the reemergence of the dual threat, um, something that we really hadn't seen a ton of uh, for several years. Um, yeah, we had glimpses of it. Obviously, A-Rod in his youth was a, a true, a true um, dual threat as much as they come. You know, a guy who could steal 40 and hit 40 homers. Uh, we had a few years of Alfonso Soriano being a threat of doing that. Um, and he was certainly exciting to play. He uh, certainly aged quickly. But right now, he's kind of seen a reemergence. As I mentioned before, Batista's a legitimate outfielder. This is a guy who was a utility player pretty much before he found his power stroke. Um last year, and actually at the end of the season before that was when he really started to swing the bat. Uh, he's a legitimate outfielder, a real defensive threat, has an absolute cannon, um, but he got a pretty plus speed out there. Um, and then we look at Kerr Anderson and Kemp, and these seem like the two most likely 40-40 candidates we've had in a really long time. Um, you know, Kemp is a guy with all kinds of expectations. Matt Kemp over in L.A., uh, the center fielder for the Dodgers. Uh, Matt Kemp has as many expectations as anybody in this league. He's expected to be the face of the Dodgers in every regard. And really, Andre Ethier's success in L.A., whether it was him having the big hitting streak at the start of this year or him you know, being a real clutch hitter down the stretch for them, um, Dodger fans have almost used that as a negative for Matt Kemp. Ethier's good work as a negative for Kemp. Um, because, frankly, Andre Ethier isn't supposed to be as good as Matt Kemp. Ethier's a professional hitter. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's a good right fielder, clutch player. 
but Matt Kemp is supposed to be the star of that team. Um, and frankly, that pressure seems to have gotten to him in the past. Uh, last year, kind of an underwhelming year for Kemp. Certainly, he, he's a guy who struggled in the clutch some. Um, but this year, he's having a huge year, hitting bomb after bomb. Obviously, a threat to steal bases. Um, he's a big-time speedster. He uses it both on the base path and out in center field. And really, I feel like we're kind of seeing the birth of a true superstar. Uh, we're kind of seeing Matt Kemp do what, like, the Upton brothers, for instance, couldn't do. And that's be this dual-threat guy with these huge expectations and actually seem to capitalize on it. Um, and obviously, the Dodgers kind of a franchise in disarray right now. They're certainly having their issues. Um, but having Matt Kemp, hopefully, as the future face of that franchise. Obviously, we don't know with their payroll situations. Um, there's always the off chance they might not be able to keep this guy. Um, but having Matt Kemp there really performing is really good for the Dodgers. And like we mentioned the NBA, if it's good for L.A., if it's good for New York, if it's good for the major markets, it's probably good for the sport. It's good for baseball to have a real superstar out in L.A. Uh, and then we look at Curtis Granderson uh, for the Yankees, another huge market we could mention. And Granderson's just a guy having a monster year right now. Uh, Granderson, he is a guy, he has hit bombs in the past. You know, he has hit 40 homers before with Detroit. Um, but last year with the season he put up, I know a lot of Yankees fans were kind of calling for his head, especially early in the year um, when Austin Jackson, the main piece that the Yankees gave up to get Granderson, uh, got off to a really hot start in Detroit. Um, and Granderson, once again, he's a legitimate power and speed guy. And while he certainly, he hasn't really faced the expectations Kemp did, um, you know, obviously he was starting at a young age at, over in Detroit, but certainly wasn't expected to really be the face of the franchise, and obviously they were willing to trade him. Um, he's a really good guy for the league to have around as well. You know, Granderson does a lot in the fields of, you know, he promotes education a lot. There's a lot of charity work with Granderson, education, um, physical education as well. And then having Granderson there is definitely, he's a great guy to kind of have at the forefront of the league. And once again, is a dual threat. This is a real lean guy. You know, he's a pretty tall guy. He's not a small guy. Nobody in, the, nobody in Major League Baseball is really a small player. Um, but, you know, having Granderson there, he's this lean-down guy. Um, he kind of runs strangely, actually, if you ever watched, but he is a, certainly super fast, real athletic guy, and it's really good for the major, for the major leagues to have legitimate big-time athletes out there as opposed to these muscle-bound sluggers. Um, or even, to some degree, for these real technical baseball players, it's really nice for Major League Baseball to have athletes out there dominating the field um, as dominant athletes will promote more dominant athletes to pick baseball as opposed to basketball, football, or football, for instance, um, especially when they're in such a marquee position as center fielder for the Dodgers or the Yankees, for instance. I mean, you look at guys who have played center field for the Yankees in the past before Granderson. Um, I mean, when Bernie Williams doesn't even really make the list of super notable guys, you know it's a pretty historic position. And we've got Joe DiMaggio, obviously his hit streak, we're wondering if that'll ever be broken. Mickey Mantle, one of the most dominant players of all time, despite the fact they had a terrible knee. Uh, Mickey Mantle, a guy who never really got to play up to his expectations, um, could have been a guy who you know could have been the greatest ever. Still one of the all-time legends, despite injury problems. Um, so having these guys playing these glamorous positions in the big markets. That's great for Major League Baseball, and hopefully that will lead to an influx of higher-quality athletes, um, which will hopefully kind of lead to the rebirth of the outfielder position. 
Um, Because you look at it, and if you kind of ask last year, well, who's the marquee outfielder in Major League Baseball? Um, Maybe Josh Hamilton. Certainly Josh Hamilton has to be in the conversation. I mean, he's, uh, once again, a great story at a marquee position, again, and a big-time athlete as well. I mean, but you're looking at guys like Ryan Braun, maybe. That's certainly not a shot on Ryan Braun. He's a great player, a great hitter. Um, but Ryan Braun kind of isn't this exceptional guy who we've seen in the past. You know, he's not Manny Ramirez out there. He's not this star in the outfield. So in addition to boosting kind of, you know, the athletics level in the MLB, it could also boost the level of play in the outfield, which would be spectacular for the league. Uh, moving on, we got the NHL. Certainly, checking out the NHL Finals, it was really good for the league. Is This was the first time that I can remember, first time in a long time at least, that the NHL really got to run unopposed to the NBA Finals. The Stanley Cup Finals, we had Game 6 and Game 7. After basketball was done, um, they kind of got to be played in the spotlight, and thankfully there were some good games. Um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about besides that. Um, this, the interesting storylines going through this finals was once again great for the NHL. You know, the biting incident and all that stuff, it might not be great for hockey as a whole, but certainly makes good publicity. Um, but I think the real main thing you have to look at in regards to this is the coaching decisions from Vancouver. Luongo, should they have benched him? Um, now Longo, you know, he gave up some goals in Game Seven, but he was dominant at home beforehand. Um, and for me, what I kind of have to look at with Roberto Luongo and should they have benched him is he is kind of Roberto Luongo. Obviously, he's a guy who's had his terrible stretches in the past. He's a guy who's totally bombed a couple of times, but he also practically single-handedly won Canada the gold medal at these past Winter Olympics. Um, so, in my opinion, uh, Longo shouldn't have been pulled. Whatever happened, happened. Uh, Longo is still one of the great goalkeepers of our day. And so now let's take a break. I'm Jason. Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. 
The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here. And because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason, and right now we're going to be delving into our Sports and States topic, uh, a weekly segment we do where we explore the sports history and the sports present of various states in America. And obviously we're pretty early into this segment. We're going to be hitting California this week. Um, and California is certainly very different from the other states we've looked at. Uh, the other states we've looked at, we've really looked at collegiate programs, players to come out of there, because they're not really hotbeds for professional sports. Um, Arizona, probably the most notable pro sports out of any of the previously previous states we've done. Um, we've been doing it alphabetically, obviously, if you haven't realized. Um, so really, California is unique, and I think the format's kind of going to be a bit different this week because they have all of these pro franchises. Um, they certainly do have big-time individual athletes to come both out of California, you know, as high school guys or as college guys or whatever. Um, most notably is uh, Jason Kidd, a guy who has really been in the sports news these days, finally winning his NBA championship. Uh, Jason Kidd kind of the face of Cal basketball as a whole. Um, and, you know, Kidd, he's a big-time player. He's a guy who certainly deserved the ring as much as anybody. I mean, he was huge to those Nets teams. I don't think people realize quite how many egos were going on that Nets team. Obviously, you have Vince Carter, who's a guy who's had his issues in the past, uh, and Richard Jefferson, who's a guy um, who certainly you know hasn't seen the success outside of New Jersey that he saw playing alongside Kidd. And Kidd, along with some good coaching, certainly, there was big-time coaching there as well. But Kidd was really able to lead that team. And it just so happened that he came up against the three-peat Lakers twice, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, Shaq was obviously in an incredibly dominant state there. Kobe was becoming the Kobe Bryant that we know and love or that we know and hate, depending on who you are. Um, and really, those Lakers team, there's kind of nothing Jason Kidd could do. Those are just dominant teams. And it was really nice to see him get a ring, uh, even if you were rooting for the Heat. And I know most people out there really weren't rooting for the Heat. Um, but Jason Kidd, certainly a guy who deserved the ring. 
and of course a California bear. Um, the California, obviously the California collegiate system, there's tons of colleges out there. California is a huge state, in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, and you have all the University of California's and Cal State's, uh, many of which have been noteworthy and have produced a lot of athletes in addition to Kid. Um, Kid, it's easier to remember, obviously, because he came out of the school that's typically just referred to as Cal, as California. Um, so yeah, Kid was a golden bear, and he came out and did great things. Uh, now I look at these pro teams, and certainly a lot of interesting pro teams in California, and you kind of have to break it down. You kind of have to look at the SoCal, Los Angeles area, um, then the Bay Area of, you know, Oakland um, and San Francisco, and then kind of the rest of California, or, you know, the NorCal area, if you look at it that way. And certainly a lot of historic franchises there, both teams that have seen big-time success recently, uh, and historic franchises. It seems like we're going to talk about um, both recent success for a historic franchise. We should really start with the Lakers. We mentioned, obviously, um, in beating Jason Kidd earlier during this segment. Um, the Lakers, obviously, you may know them for Kobe and Shaq, or even Kobe and Gasol, but this is as much of a historic franchise as they come. Um, really, you look at iconic sports franchises in America, and even in general, and really the Yankees are the only franchise that's really more iconic than the Lakers, and even that, you know, that's debatable even. Uh, the Lakers' all-time legendary players going for his franchise, you know, Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Kareem, uh, even into newer guys like Kobe and Shaq. Uh, and the Lakers franchise, certainly they've produced a lot of elite teams. The Lakers and Celtics have most of the NBA championships, which is a spectacular feat in itself. Um, especially look at the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Bulls, and you've taken care of pretty much everything uh, in the NBA, at least as far as championships are concerned. Uh, so that Lakers franchise, what they could be almost more known for than being a dominant team is why they've almost overshadowed their partners and that the Clippers are kind of the most irrelevant sports franchise that you could possibly imagine being in such a media hotbed of Los Angeles. I mean, it's impossible to think of them being this kind of unnoteworthy. I mean, you look at teams like the New York Mets, who's another franchise who really hasn't seen success, uh, much like the Clippers haven't, but the Mets are still relevant. You know, it's still a big deal. The Mets still produce this huge payroll, and it's important when the Mets struggle even. You know, the Mets are always a team they face high expectations because they're the Mets. They're a very relevant team, whereas the Clippers haven't really seen that. Um, really, you kind of have to blame ownership. Um, they've seen a lot of bad ownership calls, made some bad draft picks. Uh, thankfully, they seem to finally have turned it around. Blake Griffin can do pretty much anything. Blake Griffin could make that team into a playoff team. Um, and it's not going to take too long if they continue to make good decisions as opposed to some of the terrible ones they've made in their history. Uh, so the Clippers certainly an interesting story. And certainly someone you have to mention during LA sports history. And you know, Blake Griffin might become a name to be talked about in Los Angeles sports history. If he can turn around that Clippers franchise in a way that nobody really has been able to, uh, that could be huge for them, making that franchise relevant. Uh, they've got the arena, even though they share it with the Lakers. They've got the media, even though once again they share it with the Lakers. But there's certainly enough to go around in LA. Of course, another big news, um, if you look at L.A. sports, obviously there's one thing that's kind of strangely missing, and that's football. Um, formerly, obviously, you had the Los Angeles Rams, these days in St. Louis. Um, but these days, football is really missing from L.A., and there's been a lot of talk about bringing a team or even two to Los Angeles for the NFL. And, you know, obviously L.A. is a city that's proven that they can support two sports teams in the other major franchise, in the other major sports. Um, even if the Clippers are irrelevant, they certainly, you know, 
it's really due to the ownership, as we mentioned, it's due to the struggles on the court, not so much as just L.A. not being a big enough city for two teams. Um, so it really is surprising that there's still not another team, in, uh, not a football team in Los Angeles at this point. I think the recession has kind of really hurt that for L.A. Um, and that if you look before the recession, the NFL was in full swing. But these days you have economic struggles, plus you have the lockout issues. And I don't really think that they're going to be looking to expand the league. Um, we've heard about contraction in other sports, uh, not so much in the NFL. Uh, so I think you're really looking at a team moving to Los Angeles if you're going to be looking at Los Angeles area NFL football in the near or even distant future. Uh, so football is certainly not seen in L.A., but it's a big deal elsewhere in California. I'm, of course, talking about the Bay Area, where you have two of the more iconic franchises in NFL history who are franchises that have kind of seen their recent struggles, despite being powerhouses for most of their existence. I have the 49ers, who you know recently fired their coach, and you have the uh, Raiders, who, of course, have fired many coaches over the past few years, uh, enough to make up for the 49ers keeping Singletary for at least a couple of years. And really, these are kind of franchises that, while they're struggling right now, they're really not in disarray. Um, they've seen some bad calls in the past few years, and that's why they're kind of in the tank. Um, but both seem to be in the process of turning their teams around and getting back to the historic performances that we expect of the franchises that had you know, Monta Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice over in San Francisco, and many historic Raiders teams. I mean, there's a reason why the Raiders fan base is so wild and crazy and notable, and that's because the Raiders are a historic franchise. This isn't a team that's supposed to be bad. Um, the Raiders really... What's great about the Raiders right now is not only do they seem to be turning it around, but they're kind of turning it around playing Raiders-style football, um, that they're playing really tough defense, um, but still they're providing some forms of explosive offense. Uh, obviously, they need to kind of take care of a quarterback situation out there. A franchise guy needs to be found. Uh, obviously, it wasn't Jamarcus Russell, um, so you need to kind of find a replacement for that debacle. But they're on the right stretch. Uh, they've got a big-time running back, it seems, with Darren McFadden. And it's going to be really nice to see Oakland um, return to dominance in the field of football because that's kind of what that Bay Area is more known for. You know, Los Angeles, the SoCal area, they kind of take care of baseball and basketball. Football, you got to go up to the Bay Area, in part because of the lack of teams in L.A., but also in part because of the historic franchises we see over in Oakland and San Francisco. Um, obviously, NorCal, the surrounding area, you've got a lot of other teams there. The Kings, who we know should have won an NBA championship. We have all that issues with that Bibby Kings team um, where, you know, the game may or may not have been rigged. They have the issue with Tim Donahue, of course, calling a playoff series for them against the Lakers that it looked like they should have won. Golden State, you got the Warriors. You've got a lot of teams spread out throughout California. But I feel like you look at those areas, you look at the baseball and uh, you look at the baseball and basketball down in L.A. and SoCal and the Bay Area, two historic football teams, it's going to be exciting to see what these teams can do on the rise. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure to listen to the show weekly on voiceamericakids.com. Contact us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Uh, mention my name, Jason, and our show, Speaking of Sports, we will answer any response. That's going to do it. Thanks for joining us. Listen to the show weekly on voiceamericakids.com. Contact us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Mention my name, Jason, or my partner's name, Fabian, and our show, Speaking of Sports, will answer any response. So now that'll do it for us. I'm Jason. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice...
Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.